Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. So excited to tell you some news that we have. So we've heard your feedback and <laughs> we are listening. Just know. I hope you know that. So Danae and I have done a bunch of week-long intensive retreats and we've gotten a lot of you reaching out saying, oh, it's so long. Can you do it shorter? Right. Mm -hmm. um, feels like it's a lot of time to get away for some of you and we totally get that. So we've decided to do a condensed version of our retreats and we're going to bring it to you in a weekend. Yeah. You know what I love about this is we go to Idlewild, California pretty frequently and it feels like a retreat escape like into the woods and just like almost like summer camp. It's so much fun. And I love that we decided to sort of merge the work that we do in these intensive experiences with the fun that we have in Idlewild and um, just like being out in this like really beautiful setting together. Totally. So I'm actually going to invite y'all into my home and we are going <laughs> to have it at my house in my beautiful setting in Idlewild, California, July 14th through 16th. We're going to have a small number of spaces because it is going to be a more condensed version and there's less space than these giant ones that we usually do. So get on it if you're interested. But you know, you know what to expect. If you're listening to this, you know what Danae and I love to talk about. So there'll be <laughs> you all know the how good things. We do. You know how we do. <laughs> Codependency recovery, um, interdependence, shadow work. Yes. All the things that we love to talk about 
at nauseum, but we're giving you an opportunity to dive in those deep waters with us and like really get in it in a pretty condensed weekend immersive. Yeah. So if you're interested, there is a longer, more detailed explanation of what to expect uh, at the link in both of our bios, either of our bios. So get on it, y'all. It's going to sell out quick July 14th through 16th in Idlewild, California. Hello, Danae. (laughs) Hello, Vanessa. We have some questions to be answered today. Well, one in particular. I think that is a good <laughs> jump off point. We'll see where it goes. Okay. So somebody asked, sometimes I feel like my partner doesn't respect me when she's upset. She swears and can get very rude. How do I deal with this? Mm. Well, I would say that if you feel a lack of respect from someone, you're probably right. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's one of those things that, um, that's how I feel. I don't feel respected by you. Um, I don't know that someone can say like, I respect you if that's not how I feel. Mm. It ends up being, but that's what it feels like for me. So I don't know. There's something in the tone of the question that almost suggests like I'm questioning whether or not I'm being disrespected. Mm. And I would say, if you feel that way, I would think yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I also think that it, it comes down to like, what you just said, which is people can't question how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. So if this person is saying, well, I'm not disrespecting you and you're saying, yeah, but that's how it feels. And that's really all that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's something to be said for different communication styles. Like I, you know, I've kind of jokingly talked about how John and I are very different, me being from New York, him being from California. And I feel like there are times when I find myself saying something along the lines of like, um, you know, I'm not being abrasive or I'm not being like, I'm being direct. Right. And I'm, I can be very direct in my communication. And sometimes that can come across as like abrasive or maybe even rude. I don't know. Um, and so it's hard for me to have to be pay, like, pay attention to that and how I say things and like, what's the line between that and like being sensitive to how someone's <laughs> receiving your information and also just like, changing who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Cause some of this also is just like who I am. Now to be, to be fair, I'm not swearing. I'm not yelling. I'm not cussing somebody out. Like I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not slamming doors, you know? Um, but I have been told in my partnership that I can be abrasive. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, and I think, you know, there's a way that all of us know when we are in an energetic of contempt mm. or belittling or like minimizing another person, the things that we all have done, all have been guilty of in our partnerships at one point or another. I don't think that that's, um, they're very like human things to fall into these patterns. But I think one, we like, we got to be honest with ourselves when we know that we're in the energy that is not the person that I ultimately want to be, but also we got to speak to it. Like if, if you feel that way, I think it's important to say that to your partner. I think sometimes the, um, the confrontation of like, it feels like you don't respect me when you speak to me that way Mm. really can call someone into the space of looking at the way that they're speaking. When we sometimes like have lost ourselves a little bit in the energy of whatever the, the conflict is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good sometimes to have those partnerships, whether it's romantic or friend or otherwise, right? That 
you feel safe enough to be able to say to somebody, this is the perception of your energy right now. Like it's not your highest self, you know, and then Mm -hmm. hopefully for us to be able to hear that and, and, um, take that in. Right. And I would never want my partner to feel like I was being disrespectful or that I was disrespecting him. Right. And so if that were the, the energy that I was told I was coming at him with, then I would for sure be more introspective, maybe mm-hmm. after an initial defensiveness, because I, I can't imagine I would get defensive in the moment, but maybe after I came down from that, I would want to be like, oof, okay, how do I, how do I course correct? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I come back to a lot with clients is that we teach people how to treat us by what we tolerate. And so some of this, I think, is this person asking the questions work to say, like, where am I not having a backbone with this person? Mm. Really, where am I allowing this person to treat me with a lack of respect? Because I think sometimes there are things that we can just get so accustomed to in relationship dynamics that it becomes really normalized where like someone from the outside might like see the way that we're talking to one another and be like, Jesus, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's really easy again. Like, it's not like, I don't want to sound like righteous or like, this is like, shaming. It's just, I think we can all fall into these patterns where we feel really entitled to the other person and that I am sort of taking my partner for granted, but also are you loving yourself? Well, are you, you know, taking a stand for like, I respect me. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to allow myself to be talked to any kind of way in a relationship because that's like the boundary that you have to set. Like very much that person can be in the space of being disrespectful but they're only able to do that because you're allowing it, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like in the, in especially romantic relationships setting, I know with not just John, but other partners, we've like kind of set ground rules. Like this is how Mm -hmm. we argue. This is how we fight. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we do our best to uphold those ground rules. Right. So we do not yell. We do not roll our eyes. We do not name call. Right. Like we've been Mm -hmm. very clear. And that was, way in the beginning of the relationship. And so because we have those ground rules and we have something to refer back to. So if somebody kind of, you know, gets out of line a little bit and crosses one of those rules, it's very easy to say, Hey, this was an agreement that we made and you're, you're Mm -hmm. breaking that agreement and I'm not going to tolerate it. Right. And so here's what I'm going to do if that's, if that's broken, right. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to end the conversation and I'm going to take a walk. Um, because what I'm not going to do is participate in it because we made an agreement that that's not how we're going to speak to each other. Um, and so I think there's a way where you can call it out and respect yourself and, and take a beat and take a walk. Right. Yeah. And another tool that I love to offer couples is that normally in the midst of the tension is not the best time to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you are in the midst of a moment of conflict and you feel really disrespected by your partner to the point that you just made, I think it's like, you know what, I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to take a pause, whatever. Um, And then like, not even necessarily when you come back, because there still might be like that defensive energy, but a time like that's really separate. I think it can be so much more potent to revisit it with your partner then and say, I want to have a conversation about something that came up the other day when we were talking about X. Um, There was a tone in the way that you were speaking about it that just like really made me feel unsafe, disrespected, Mm -hmm. whatever. I think that a lot of times when we're in the heat of the moment, the natural human defense 
kicks in. And so Mm -hmm. I will defend against what you're saying Mm -hmm. versus like, if it's not in that moment, I sort of feel the levity of that person having reflected on this, having come back to me with this. It's just like a little bit that person understands, like, I mean it, like, this Mm -hmm. is a thing I want us to like really look at because it's not okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was, um, I'm thinking of a personal experience where I post post the, the, it wasn't even an argument. It was like, I remember totally off the cuff in one of those down moments saying to John, you know, when we get stressed out or we get like tense or worked up, or if there's like a lot going on, I remember saying to him, I don't like the way we speak to each other. And I, mm-hmm. and I was talking about both of us. Right. And, uh, and it landed with him. Cause I think to your point, because it was not in a moment of heat, he was really able to hear it. And that was like a couple of years ago. And even now when we both fall into that, cause it's a bad habit, you know, and bad habits don't get broken very easily. Sometimes, um, he remembers that when I said that and he'll call it out and be like, remember when you said that thing, I I've been thinking about that. And I think we did it today. Right. And we'll like come back mm-hmm. to that point that I made years ago. And then we're both able to kind of like apologize for it and own our part you know? Yeah. I think that even in that moment of being able to go back and refer to that, that almost established a ground rule for how we spoke to each other after the fact, like ground rules can be evolving. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was like an addendum that we maybe didn't think we needed to include in the beginning. And then we realized we did. And so now it's something we try to uphold ourselves to. Yeah. I love, I think we were, I can't remember. I'm like blanking on her name right now, but we had someone on the podcast right now, right? I'm like blanking on her name, but she was talking about, um, I love asking for consent, asking for a buy-in. That's something I'm obsessed with talking to couples about, because I think when we have rules, when we have like, this is like, you know, like people sort of talk about boundaries, I find in the context of rules a lot of time. And what ends up happening is it ends up feeling energetically like a power over another Mm. person's stance versus like a power with, like Mm. we are in co-creation of this relationship dynamic. And I think there's something about saying, this is how this lands for me. It doesn't feel, I love that you said like us respecting one another well, because I think that there can be something about like, you don't respect me. You're not respecting me that Mm -hmm. the person will defend against. Whereas if it's sort of like, I don't know that we are being our most respectful selves, like um, owning that, like I'm sure, because I have never seen a dynamic between a couple where the other person can't give an example of a time and space that the other person does the exact same thing that they're complaining mm-hmm. about. So if we can sort of say, I don't feel like we're respecting one another well, and I'm wondering if we can really check in with like, what are some ways we could go about like doing some of the things differently in the way that we hold conflict or when we're frustrated with one another, it just feels like we're creating something versus I am talking at you about what I, from like a space of authority, feel Mm. like you need to be doing differently. And I just am like offering that again as like a tool that I've been playing with with couples because I feel like there's just a lot less resistance from all of us. Our inner teenager kicks in when we feel like someone is telling us what to do. And ultimately, we don't want to be the authority figure over our partner because that is a parentified dynamic. And so I think it's just like, how do we speak to like, like you said, I noticed we are falling in a pattern with something. And I'm wondering if we can talk about some strategies to like maybe do that a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think that we have to be able to be with ourselves in moments of those conversations because 
you know, when I brought that, that example, when I brought that to John, like it could have gone a bunch of different ways, you know, he could have been defensive or he could have said, oh, well, you do that to me. I don't do that to you. Or that's not true. Or that doesn't happen. Like there's a lot of ways these conversations can go. And I think that being with yourself and knowing how you will be treated, kind of going back to what you were saying in the beginning of this conversation is also really important. Like how that person responds to your conversation starter around, can we have this conversation about how we speak to each other? Um, it's going to be information for you, right? Like, are they willing to hear it? Are they willing to see themselves to your point as like a co-creator in this relationship? Um, are they willing to own their part? Are they willing to try to make changes, right? It's not probably going to be perfect every time. Uh, like I said, this this thing that I said comes up still, right? Years later, there are times when John and I will both, both be like, mm, remember that thing I said, you know? Um, but are they willing to try? Are they willing to own their part? I think those are some of the most important things. And then you have to be willing to uphold whatever kind of boundary you have put in place around how you're going to be treated and not treated. Yeah. I think at our last retreat, we were saying like a bottom line thing that I think is important to understand that I have seen in all of the couples that I've worked with. Um, I think when relationships are, you know, I don't know, like in the space where we are able to expand together and grow together and be in that space of co-creation, that person cares about how they make you feel versus defending against how it feels for them. Right. And listen, that's like the, the space of our ego that like all of us can fall into, but that is the work. Like, are we willing to look at I care about someone enough to care about how I make them feel. And if someone is not interested in meeting you there, I think that's really, really important information. Um, I posted this thing the other day where I was talking about, you know, I love that Ayanna Van Zant quote, um, that I don't get to tell you how to love me. I just get to decide if I want to participate in the way you love and like so much uproar over that as always is the case. But I think, you know, what people hear in that is, I don't get to give any feedback. I don't mm -hmm. get to say anything. I just have to like, and that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we have to look at whether someone has an active interest in being in relationship with attempting to see you, attempting to be in that relationship with you versus you attempting to mold someone into someone who wants to be active with you there. You know, it's a very, very different energy. And I feel like all of us know the difference. We just like to pretend that we don't know the difference. You know what I mean? Well, so speak more on that because funnily enough, I just quoted, I just quoted that last night <laughs> and I'm wondering, um, what is the difference? I mean, people who are like, who are sitting here going like, no, I don't know what the energetic difference is in those two, you know, between giving somebody feedback and having them attempt to see me versus trying to mold somebody. I think people really do struggle with that. I mean, shit, we're all so codependent, right? That this is these conversations we have around like needs versus wants. And when you talk about like, do we really even have a need or is it more of a desire, right? I think people really do struggle with knowing the difference. I think it's less I'm that they have the spot. trouble with... <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm happy to <laughs> define it. But I think it's less that we have trouble defining the difference. It's just that if we own for ourselves what the difference is, then we have to do something about it. And that's the hard part. So if someone is defensive, every time I, you know, attempt to say like, I really love it when my partner, um, 
I'm trying to think of an example. I'm like using like in fair play when she was mm -hmm. like saying um, that I like it when my partner takes the trash out because it reminds me of like when I was growing up and um, there was always like all of this like overwhelming trash and I felt like I lived in like a trashy house or whatever. And her husband was like immediately dropped into empathy and like it, it gave um, him the opportunity to see this conflict that they've been having, like where it stemmed from. Right. So I would say that is the desire that she has. She's asking for consent from him to meet that need. Now his desire to see her, to care about how she feels, that is to me someone who is like in the active space of attempting to co-create a relationship. If someone just uses that as, um, evidence of why you are attacking them if they are just in the space of defending themselves. And that is like, I'm in vulnerability. Now, listen, this is real. I experienced this with a family member earlier this week. Like there are those who you will come to with, this is why this feels vulnerable to me. And they will still be so caught up in the defense of why you are saying something that is an attack on them that they can't even see you mm. in your space of vulnerability that to me is the difference. Like, can that person, does that person have the ego strength to stay with themselves and not make everything an attack on them? That is the narcissistic injury. The narcissistic injury is everything that is said to me that goes on, I experience as me not being enough. But that's about my own relationship with me not being enough versus what the other person is actually saying to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think using that trash, the example from fair play is a good one because first of all, most of us know that kind of conversation or argument, but also going back to what I was saying about how sometimes when you have those conversations, it's not a one and done conversation. And that doesn't mean that the person doesn't see you or doesn't love you. It means that we all have, you know, whether bad habits or just wiring from pre, you know, from before meeting you, all that. And so if we're talking about like taking out the garbage, it's like, yes, I see that. And I'm going to, I'm going to drop into a space of empathy. You know, I'm saying I'm the husband here in that, in that example, and I'm going to do this thing. And, and sometimes I'm going to forget, right? Because I'm human and that's what I do. And then I would say in those moments, the other person, because I've experienced this a lot, you know, with clients, the other person's role or kind of job in that is to also not personalize it and is to not use that like let's say one or two times that this person's forgotten as a way to turn it around and say see you don't see me see you always do this thing see it's you 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 um because i have experienced that when working with couples or even individuals where it's like we had this great breakthrough things have changed it's great and then there's like a slip um and again, it could be like one or two times and suddenly the other person is in a kind of a swirl around this other person doesn't give a shit about them because they've done this one thing again, you know? And I, I think it's important I for think, us to like take that into account, right? And I think that's important. What I always say to clients is like, you get to like want what you want, but your work is to get really clear on why you want what you want. And that's your job in terms of your own reparenting work. Like if we use again... The example of the trash, like one, I think all of us who are living in this space together, like we have our agreements on um, like how we're going to divide and conquer whatever the workload is around the house. But there are those moments where sometimes we will do things like if this person loved me, 
then they would think about me and they would take the trash out. And that's totally arguable. And frankly, that's totally your stuff from my mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Now that's where I get a little like, really? And yeah. I think that that's like, you know, that person isn't your parent. And I think the only person who is required in this life to be expectant of our needs before we state them and that's their job is our parent, right? Like when we have babies, they need us to meet their needs because they can't speak to them because that's our like job to, is to keep them alive. But if I'm saying to myself, if this person loved me, they would think about me and they would take the trash out. Um, then that is like me attempting to put myself in a parentified dynamic with this person. Now that being said, if we consistently have the conversation, we've gone around about the why, and this is an agreement we've made, and this person just consistently is not taking the trash out, and that's you know the agreement we've made, and then that becomes a little bit more like cohabitation, and does this relationship make me happy? And that's where I go into the space of you don't get to tell people how to love you. You just get to decide if you want to participate in the way they love. Maybe I don't want to live in squalor forever, as she said in the show. And then I have to make a real clear decision for myself about what my deal breakers are. Now, Mm -hmm. is it a deal breaker, this trash? Or can I say, clearly this is hard for him. So I'm going to like, it's not worth it for me to end the marriage. So let me go ahead and like handle this myself. Because what I see so often is we just like want to get into having the same fight forever because of the meaning I make of it. And if it's that hard for that person to take out the trash, but in every other aspect of your life together, he's amazing. I say, take out the friggin' trash yourself, sister. Like, why are you fighting a losing battle? You know? Yeah. I just had this conversation with a client actually recently and I was talking about how, and you know, my example was like the dishes, you know, like long ago realizing that John, oh God, bless his heart. (laughs) The man would run, would run and does run a freaking load of dishes with like three dishes in there because of the way he crams them in there. And it just makes me insane. Um, Mm. And also in the beginning of our relationship, it used to drive me crazy. And I would come in and I would like basically fix it and put all the rest of the dishes in there and run it and be annoyed about it. And it, I've joked with him about it. You know, I've seen like memes out there about it, about how like in every marriage, there's like one person that loads a dish, the dishwasher, like a rabid raccoon. And then there's one that like is playing master chess or Tetris or something. Um, and I've gotten to a place where that where to your point, it's like, this is not something to me that's worth ending a relationship over. It annoys me, but he's doing the damn dishes. Okay. So he has to run two loads instead of one to get all the dishes clean. And, you know, um, he's still doing it. It's not like he's not doing it and expecting me to always be the one doing it. He's doing it. He just doesn't do it the way that I think it should be done. Right. And so I need to look at myself and say, but that's my shit. Um, and so just as another example, you know, it's not trash. Like I, but these are the kind of quote unquote silly examples that I know we get all the time as therapists, you know? So it always means something more, I guess, when I say it's silly. Yeah. But I love that example that you gave because I do think what ends up happening is from my space of certainty that -hmm. there is a way that the dishes should be put in the dishwasher. I mean, there is a way. I would say, well, (laughs) and again, I would say that's arguable, but here's what, if John lived by himself and he didn't have you standing over him, he would figure out how to get his dishes washed and back in the pantry every day. That's why I'm saying he does it now, you know, but that's what I'm saying. But it's like, well, there's a right way to do it. But, and what happens if it's not done the right way, right? Nothing. 
nothing happens. And again, I'm using that as an example because that's what you brought up. But what ends up happening so often is in the space of righteousness that this is the right way, we start to disrespect our partners and we circle back to where we began the question. And it's like, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm annoyed that you're not experiencing the world the way that I experience the world. And so I get to treat you in a way that I would not treat 95% of the people that I come across in this world because you're my partner and I get to disrespect you because that's the container you hold. And I would say, I don't think that's true. No, I agree. I could not agree more. And I think that is actually a perfect place to end it because I think you just put a bow on it. (laughs) (laughs) And we are complete. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.